0: welcome to Crow 777 Radio. This is episode 264. Jason Lingren is with me, and we're very excited. Uh, we have Mandara Cromwell, and uh, we'll open by getting where you can contact her or find her online, but we're finally going to do a meaningful episode on cymatics. And as I have said a number of times, I, I dropped little cookies here and there that I thought someone would pick up and run with because I haven't been able to use my scope like I'd like. And one of the things I pointed out is I had taken the star serious and defocused it. I think I did Aldebaran, the eye of the bull, defocused it. And I began to realize you can pick up color and cymatic patterns, both attributable to vibration or cymatics and learn things and about and begin to attribute true, meaningful things to a star that I don't think anyone's done. Or at least if they have, I haven't found it. But the way it started for me was I saw Cymatics when YouTube was brand new. Someone was doing the sand on the plate thing. And I thought, wow, that's cool. That's eye candy. Saw it a couple times. Then I saw someone do it with colored sand. Later that day, I had the epiphany. I realized all at once, oh my God, this is how form is created. And it's undeniable. And how is it that this could have been lost in the shuffle? This is how everything is created in our world. And it's provable. And when I say everything, I mean everything. Color form, just everything. And we'll get into that. But anyhow, welcome, Jason.
1: And a fine good morning it is. So how's it?
0: You're about to do Flattoberfest.
1: Yeah, I just came back from a film shoot in Miami. Looks like we're going to be doing some more of that soon. So that's a uh, big deal, hopefully. I'll let people know more about it when I know more about it. But I know the tentative date for the film they're doing on Germ Theory, they want to do for spring. More details to come, but yes, this weekend is Flattoberfest in South Carolina, and I am doing a presentation on the social engineering of manned spaceflight.
0: Okay, so I think this is actually going to run after you've already been there, if I'm not mistaken, Um, but can we say a little bit more about the film, or no?
1: Yeah, it's a very nice lady from California who's done many films before. So she's experienced and she was great to work with. And the other person heavily involved is our friend, Dr. Andy Kaufman. So we know that there's going to be a lot of common sense in there right from the get-go.
0: There it is, man. Uh, As I have said on the air so many times, and I will say it again because I mean it. A theory is an idea. And the longer a thing is called a theory, the less good that idea is. Uh, A a theory at some point needs to be proven out and go beyond the moniker theory, maybe to law or some other firm thing we can build a foundation from. And in the world we live in now, so much of what we work from is theoretical, but we have Mandara with us and we're going to talk cymatics and there is nothing theoretical about any of this, but for some reason it was lost. Anyhow, welcome, Mandara.
2: Thank you. It's great to be here.
0: I'm so happy to have you here, but let's do our due diligence. Would you like to tell people where they can find you online? If you give out an email address, you will be overwhelmed, warning given.
2: Uh, it's probably best that they visit my website. And that website URL is c y m a C-Y-M-A, technologies.com, C-Y-M-A-T-E-C-H-N-O-L-O-G-I-E-S.com. And, uh, take a little look at, uh, all the things that are offered there. Some of the, uh, information that we're going to cover today. There are some very short video clips on cymatics. And, uh, then if you feel called, please do email me through the website. Tell me that you listen to this show and uh, I'll be really excited.
0: Okay. So before we jump in, we've got a whole list of things that we're going to cover that we've carefully put together for each of the hours. But what do you think about what I laid down about defocusing a star uh, when I began to realize that you could see cymatic patterns? And with all the technology we have, of course, you know you could take a video at a high frame rate and you could grab frames and kind of more readily get an idea of color. Of course, when you look at a star, sometimes they look like they're shimmering the rainbow at you when it's in focus. But what I'm getting at here is one of the things I noticed that is missing from cymatics. And I think it's kind of by intention because cymatics tells us so much is a library of cymatic patterns. I mean, really the closest you can come is the Caladni stuff. And a lot of the times the frequencies or the vibrational rates are not matched. And there's very few of them. As a matter of fact, I went looking finally for the complete Caladni set and I found it online for, I don't know, three or four grand. Or something uh, is there at this point, to your knowledge, a uh, a complete cymatics map or relatively complete mapping of the patterns demonstrated and then paired off how they were made?
2: There is not. That is a field that is wide open, and there have just been a few people who have stepped forward and really uh, been very active in this. Particular field of cymatics. And the person who I know uh, and work with closely is John Reed in the UK. And uh, he's developed the cymascope, which is the latest and, and greatest technological invention to capture cymatic images. He has uh, received files from NASA and um, scoped the sun and a few of the stars. And he's also scoped uh, a healthy cell and a cancer cell as far as, you know, going really into the minuscule details of what the human body represents at a cellular level. He is the only one that I know who is really making a push forward in the field of cymatics. So it would be great to have more people jump on board and investigate this whole library that you're suggesting.
0: Well, here's here's what I would suggest. First of all, I want to ask a question before I state what I think would probably be helpful. And other people who know more than I do could probably improve on what I'm about to say. But how's he scoping a star? Is his cymatic thing that he's developed? Is he using like sand in a plate, or is it liquid, or some kind of viscous fluid? How is he doing that? How do you how do you capture the resonance of a star and then uh, image it cymatically?
2: I believe he's receiving the files from NASA or, or some organization who is interested in seeing these vibrations made visible. For instance, there was an exhibit at the Smithsonian back in 2012 that showed the imprints of the, the sun, the pulsations of the sun made visible. And I, so I believe that they're, that's how he's doing it. They're uh, feeding him sound files. And he's making those files visible. He is not uh, using a telescope and going after the actual captures himself, as you are suggesting, which I think would be really fantastic.
0: Yeah, I'm not a big fan of NASA. I've found so much nonsense from them that I would suggest to use that data, it needs to be confirmed. But that's a whole other story. But tell me if you think this is correct. If people out there want to get interested in cymatics, and by the way, there are tools now, or you can simply put together cymatic devices. You can go online to see how it works, and it will dawn on you that you are looking at how all form is created. The cymatics library, which is sorely missing from our world, so that people understand it would be an image that shows the cymatic pattern, uh, the geometry that is created as vibration creates form. And then the corresponding frequency or vibrational rate that made it. But when I think about it, I kind of think that a complete library would have an example on a round plate, an example on a square plate. Um, and I'm kind of thinking of some dry material like sand on a, on glass or some good metal, um, though I see people doing this with liquid. I mean, what do you think? Would that be a good way to start trying to get a library together?
2: That'd be a fantastic way uh, because, you know, that's sort of what the Claudney uh, images that we see that have been handed down since the 1700s, how they were generated. I know that when we work with human physiology, we capture those images in water with a small, uh, you know, dish of water and uh, capture the standing waves from the top of those vibrations being emitted the library, I think that's a fantastic way to start. And I am in exact agreement with you with the round as well as the square captures.
0: Right. I think that's critically important. But I, I guess as you were speaking, you know, I've never done or or have much experience. I've seen it with viscous liquids and other things. Matter of fact, what's what's the guy's name? Hans Hans Yenny? Yeah, He's Hans Yenny. His- so I bought his big honking massive book and I read it cover to cover because <laughs> Jason and I, and I just kind of felt like it was window dressing. Like we hadn't really gotten anywhere meaningful that hadn't already been done. And he's pointed to as the main guy. But in that there were some accounts that did matter to me. Like one example was they could take a plate, put a viscous fluid on it, run a frequency into it. So you get a cymatic pattern, then put the plate vertical so that normally a viscous liquid would slide off. But as long as the frequency was held, The cymatic pattern in the viscous liquid held. Then they turned it upside down, and it held. When they turned it off, the the liquid began to fall away from the plate, but the minute they clicked it back on, it jumped right back up to the plate. That was the most meaningful thing I got from the entire Hans Jenny book. So what I'm pointing out here is this is wide open, ground level, things we used to know lost. It's now time to put these things back together, but anyhow, we've got a whole list of things that you wanted to cover. Let's jump in with temples, tombs, caves and churches.
2: Yes, well, for my first experience of cymatic images was as a child when I grew up in the Catholic Church, and fortunately, I uh, attended a, a church that was in the Gothic-style architecture. And as a child, I was absolutely mesmerized by the arcs and the spheres, the domes, the spires, and the gold uh, gilt that was all throughout the paintings. And as I would trace these with my eyes as a child, I would always tug on my dad's suit coat to point something out. And he would say, if you aren't quiet, you won't be able to hear what they're saying. And so that was my first indication that, hey, there's something vibrationally happening here with all of this art and architecture that I should pay attention to. And the main thing that I was really interested in were the halos around the angels and the saints. And when the pipe organ would sound, the images, the little uh, vibrational squiggles within those halos would begin to move and vibrate. And, of course, I wanted a yellow hat, just like that he did. <laughs> but, uh, but really, that was the the first impression uh, of cymatics for me as a child. Later, as I moved through elementary, uh, high school, college, and became interested in Eastern philosophy, traveled to India, and once again was introduced to what I call resonant architecture, And there are different and some similar codes and symbols imprinted on the walls of those temples. And as I traveled throughout other and and visited other holy sites, whether it be um, tombs and a famous one is the Taj Mahal that some people may have been to, uh, and also, um, you know, synagogues and, and caves. The images that are carved in there just aren't pictographs. They are actually holding a vibrational frequency that is imprinted upon our body, mind, and spirit as we are viewing them. In particular, for the churches and the temples that I have been to, when you go into these amazing architectural feats, You can't help but stop and pause and you drop into a state of reverence. And I think this is what we were referring to a little bit earlier, Crow, is that once you really grasp what cymatics is, you go, oh, my goodness, this is really vibration coming into form. And these temples, tombs, uh, churches are encoded with these vibrational carvings that do have a very profound effect on our body, mind, and spirit, on our different uh, levels of being. And they set up in combination with the architecture, with the these mathematical proportions, this force field, this mathematical grid, that it does alter your physiology and hence we have this incredible vibrational imprint in these particular sacred sites that move us into a state of coherence where there is, a, for me, a, a healing, like a sonic healing of all of the the five bodies.
0: Let's be specific. For people who missed the nickel that just got dropped, it's not possible that these buildings were built without the knowledge of cymatics, without the knowledge that um, vibration creates form. Now, we've done a lot on alchemy here and there, uh, where we've pointed out that the alchemist trying to make a medicine go out into the garden, see the color of a flower, and instantly, because he understands that color is a vibrational rate, he knew so much. Um, But to pull it back around, um, this also echoes for the need for a map. So if you can go into a cathedral, um, and I've maintained that things like Notre Dame were built before the Catholic Church was king. That's not the claim, but that's what I think is correct. But to get back, if we had a complete mapping of cymatics or as complete, you know, it could be worked on over time and get bigger and bigger. That's probably the good way to do it. By the way, it would be very high frequencies now with all the telecom nonsense we have to deal with. But then you could start to compare that map to what was done in those cathedrals. Um, And so to me, the information is not lost, but I don't know if you're with me. It's almost like this was purposely Purposefully hidden. How could it be carved into stone and painted with gold? And, you know, there are cathedrals that actually have cymatic patterns chiseled into the stone. How could that have gotten lost? I mean, are you with me? It almost seems like it was intentionally pushed to the wayside.
2: You know, Crow, there's a novel that was written by Dan Brown uh, called The Da Vinci Code, and he brought to light. One of these temples that you're referring to, one of these churches, chapels, that's in uh, just right outside of Edinburgh, Scotland. And this is the Roslyn Chapel. When you walk into that chapel, you will see arches that have protruding cubes with cymatic images carved on the cube. Right next to those cubes is a pillar with... A couple of angels holding what looks like a lyre, but it could also be seen as uh, a treble and, and bass clef music sheet. Yep. And their fingers are pointing to specific notes that give us clues of, hey, what, what these images might be corresponding to. And uh, for your listeners at um, would like to investigate this further. There's a, a father-son team who decoded the cymatic images and uh, produced the Rosalind Motet, which is absolutely beautiful. So there is one example in today's world.
0: And and I would point out, you know, we're in, we're leaving, in my view, we're leaving the era that could be summed up as I believe, and we are entering the era that could be summed up as I know. Now. People who have followed know that, in my mind, there's a huge difference between those two ideas. But, you know, you go in and you find the cymatic patterns. And, you know, think think about this, Mamdar, maybe comment before I start to get Jason in here if he wants to jump in on this. Suppose someone decoded the cymatic pattern and they used the modern standard of, of orchestral A being tuned to 440. There's more work to be done there because wouldn't a thinking person go back to one of the Verde tunings we always cite? Four, three, two, um, but there are many so-called Verdi tunings. Wouldn't you begin to go into that vein where you're trying to, you know, we, it's only been since the 30s that they jacked us into 440 for orchestral A and got every piano in the world to be tuned in that way, pretty much forcing all other tuning instruments to match the piano we could go back and start to experiment. Well, let's tune to 432 and look for the cymatics. Let's go to this other obscure Verde. I mean, are you with me? Do you think there's any there there?
2: Absolutely. This topic of sound and vibration is so complex. And we we haven't even scratched the scratch the scratch of the surface of where this could possibly lead and how we could use this to our advantage in a world moving forward. I mean, we're all about sustaining ourselves in this new world, right? With technology, we now have the technology that we can see sound and vibration. This is just so exciting.
0: Right. And it's going to give us a window as as these things that we're talking about come back online and minds tune in all over the world. You never know who the genius is going to be sitting in his living room who does the thing. Uh, But now we have the ability to communicate. But I would point out that all of technology is built on a vibrational rate. But Jason, as a fellow sound engineer and uh, musician, you want to get in on this. Do you have something to add?
1: Let's go back to the Da Vinci Code for a moment because I have read the book and seen the movie, which was okay. Okay. And what do you think about Dan Brown and the encoding that seems to be all throughout that story? That seems to be kind of a big deal that probably went over most people's heads.
2: I agree. Uh, it's a great story. And hopefully something like this would invite even the casual listener or reader or, or movie goer, to say, hey, there's really something here. We have hidden messages all around us. What are the signs and symbols around us? And I think most people can look even at their childhood. Uh, I remember sitting in a classroom, gazing out a window, or shall we call it staring at the window, and slipping into the invisible world with you know communication on other dimensions. And I think if people go back to... Uh, an early time in their life, they also had those experiences. Now, maybe those experiences were interrupted with a teacher whacking the ruler across the back of your seat saying, hey, pay attention. But we cannot deny that we've had those experiences and those are true windows of opportunity. And I invite all of the listeners to go back to a time early in their lives and see if this call to sound and vibration, to, you know, creating this type of library might be at an interest level for you. And we need to move forward with it. It's just very exciting to bring this to the attention to those who maybe glossed over it or maybe thought oh that's not really a thing or oh I've got something else that I need to focus on This is a real topic, a real subject, a real complexity that is very exciting to be on the precipice of.
0: It's the building and blocks of where we live and it's been shuffled to the waist you know just last night I was I was reading Walter Russell and he was pointing out, I hope I get this right. I'm probably going to do a show on it. So if I mess this up, I'll correct it later. But I think it was fluorines. He pointed out that fluorine an octave higher becomes selenium and all these other things. And he says the attributes of that particular thing in our world have not changed, but the nature of it has. Or maybe I've got that backwards. Um, I'll do the correction. But you can see what we're talking about here. If you go into a place like the Vatican and you look at all that art on the wall and you don't understand what color means, you don't know a fraction of what they knew. Because those colors all meant something back in the day. In the same way, uh, I'm still searching for books, uh, old books. Even a simple flower had so many levels of meaning from the color to when it was available. All these ideas. And this all relates back to cymatics or vibrational rates. But um, did you want to add something else in there, Jason?
1: Well, do you think that they're trying to do any kind of encoding uh, just to kind of do more revelation of the method? Because the Dan Brown stuff, really, even years ago when I had read it, which was probably 15 years or more ago at this point, it seemed like they were trying to get some information from a real standpoint out to the masses because they always do revelation of the method and just wrapped it up in this cute little story. Do you think there's anything to that? because he did several other stories, too, that also involved some heavier things like secret societies and the Vatican, basically telling the truth about what really goes on in our world, but just wrapping it in a narrative fiction.
2: Well, he has a good researcher as a wife, <laughs> I think. her. Uh, she's uh, got a background in art history and so I think she's clued in and going to the Vatican and all of those beautiful paintings, everything. I would like to say that I believe the artists who create those masterpieces were really plugged in on a vibrational level of not only, you know, the art, the carving, but also the color. They're expressing that. That's why I believe they're so powerful and moving when people look at them because it hits us at a very deep level. And neuroscience tells us today when we look at symbology that activates a totally different part of the brain. And I think that we're so scientifically that the neuroscience arena is so into what is happening with the brain and how is it interacting with the uh, the chemicals of this and that and and stress etc that Where We haven't even made it into the creative part, the co-creation part of vibration, of color. And I think that's where Dan Brown and, and his wife, who I can't think of her name right now, but people who research these types of pieces of art and architecture, the artists were really clued in. And that's why it moves us so much. And to have a library, a cymatic library of, wow, this color creates this vibrational pattern uh, would be really key.
0: You know, I I spent so much time, I I even think like this. So I get this plate and I'm making the cymatic thing. I'm going to get the image of that thing that I'm making for the map. And then I'm going to take this white sand and I'm going to use red sand. Because I know certainly that the white sand is vibrating at a different rate than the red sand. And people are probably thinking, what are you on about, Crow? But this is exactly what we're on about. If you remember the one show we did, The Mysterious World of Color, Jason and I are going to go back on that before too long. But as a basic idea, a principle, most people do not think about color in what I suspect the way color was thought about by people in the know back in the day. As an example, red is masculine. It is electric. It is positive. It is a number of things we could say on the face of it. And there are many shades of red. As an example, scarlet. There is a color that gets used in the Vatican. That was almost solely attributed to anger, the color scarlet. Then there's a color crimson. But if we flip side it and go to blue, that is feminine. That is negative in polarity. And there are vibrational rates that make this. And when we go into what color means from an alchemical point of view, we know that when we add white to a color and it becomes more pale, that white is a spiritual manipulation of the color, where black would be the exact opposite. In modern parlance, we would probably use the words evil to communicate to a mind now, but this is just a hint at the level of what we don't know, and to pull that around to to Dan Brown, from my point of view, I read that book almost immediately when it came out back in the day. And my reaction now is to most people, they don't know what they don't know. So most of it's a lost leader to the average mind because they have no basis to get at. They they go the surface narrative is really what they're picking up and the mysterious hooks. And so I think this is again the importance of cymatics. And you know, I'll, I'll harp on it one more time. How the hell can we be in the millennium we're in and not have a book we can all get our hands on? That says, hey man, here's the cymatic library that tells you the form that each frequency creates. And by the way, here it is in 432, here it is in 440, which came around in the 30s. And I'll harp on that, because anyone who gets into this, back in the day, I would bet dollars to no nuts they were not using 440. But anyhow, you want to talk a little bit about the idea of stars and planets? and And I'll just preface by being completely honest, I am not a fan of NASA.
2: Ah uh, Yes. Uh, well, before we move on to that, I would like to just touch back on something you said uh, about the, the colors of, of red being more masculine and how we perceive that as specific connotations, denotations in our society. There are actually other societies that look at red. Uh, for instance, the um, in the Vedic tradition and in, in, in the Hindu uh, traditions, Red is the color of Shakti, the uh, energy that that pervades all of the space, right? And in Chinese culture, red is a very lucky color and fortune. Great fortune is associated with red. So I think that different, uh, and and I know we're going to go back to um, (laughs) the church and how maybe some things were shifted within the Catholic church there's a time when certain colors meant some things and, and another time when they were shifted and, and repositioned to possibly mean something not as favorable. And so I think we also need to look at the the cultural and, and society evolution of color vibration. As far as the stars and the planets and the galaxies, I think it's really exciting now that we have the technology to see really what's going on, or a clearer vision of what's happening within our universe, not only the stars and the planets, but also um, other galaxies. And back to the Vedic tradition and uh, the Chinese, when they started cataloging or, or creating their rules or, or Observations of cosmology, they watch the movement of the planets. As a matter of fact, in uh, Chinese Ah, uh, Taoist philosophy, they had the the five wanderers, which were the planets that the that we can see with the naked eye. And so I think now, bringing that into how we look at that through a cymatic imaging, the only source that I have is through the imaging that has been done through the cymoscope and and through the files that NASA had given to uh, the Cymoscope lab. And I think if we look at those, again, and compare those with the cymatics library catalog of all of the vibrations at the different hertz rates, we'll see some overlap and similarities in how these constant compilations of frequencies evolve throughout our existence. It's really an exciting time to use today's technology because we have these high-definition cameras.
0: Right. And I mean, well, you can prove things. And my main problem when when I Kind of tersely stated. I'm not a fan of NASA. Is the problem becomes that we understand governments don't tell the truth. So to use the data is fine, but there are so many people who could give you examples of the very same things that are just normal human beings have no reason to be a government lying about things all the time, and you can confirm or disconfirm it. And I think it's critical to get back to your ideas of color. I see this is what's exciting to me because it is true. You can go to different cultures and and see different meanings attributed. It makes you wonder, is it this frequency uh, resonates with these ideas? Is that what it's about? Or is it more like there's two sides to every coin? There's a positive and a negative polarity. But these are all things that I think we need to work out. So we've got about 30 minutes left in the first hour, Mandara. Where would you like to go? What do you think is important? This will go out everywhere, everywhere.
2: I'd like to talk about how we can use the this type of imaging to empower ourselves. We're in a world right now where, gosh, there's so much fear. It's actually palpable. And who do we believe about what? And how can we use these ancient traditions and these codings to help empower ourselves to get through the day and become our, our uh, greatest human potential?
0: Well, one thing that varies immediately when you say what you just said is that this is not arguable. When you get a cymatic pattern, it is what it is. You can't get three smart people in the room and you know, deconstruct the geometry that was just created from vibration. It's literally, it is what it is. The sky is blue. And I think that that really underscores what you just said, because we are in fact in a time where so many minds coming on, they don't, they don't trust just about anything. They've found so much fault and dishonesty, um, particularly from media and news and government and these places. And then that again, underscores the value of cymatics. There is no lie. This is nature, man. There's no lie in it. It it tells you actually, factually, provably, it is what it is. I mean, right?
2: Exactly. And just to touch back to um, ancient cultures and and their messages and how they used cymatics and and coding is that we can go to, I mean, so many people have been to the pyramids in Egypt and Angkor Wat and um, other places where... Uh, They have been aligned by stars. As a matter of fact, Chartres Cathedral and Notre Dame, all of those uh, places, holy spots, have been aligned with our star systems, with that vibrational rate. And some of that imaging, I believe, is encoded in that art and architecture that is within those structures. So, you know, I believe that there's this communication and we, I know the three of us are in agreement that we live in the field. So how do we get the messaging within our field up to speed where, hey, listen, this is a, this is a valid uh, principle that we're dealing with. The principle of cymatics is tried and true.
0: Tried and true. And then for some reason, swept under the rug. We did an episode, I think it was two weeks maybe three before Notre Dame burned, Uh, we did an episode uh, saying you should hold on to all your images and everything you know about these amazing buildings, which many of them in my view were built before the Catholic church was king. Um, The Catholic church claims that they built all of it. I don't agree with a good part of that. But the point I would make is the reason we did the episode was to say they're deconstructing These cathedrals of glass and stone, which were basically maps that showed a human being how to become a higher human being. They'd done things like pulled the St. Christopher statue holding the baby Jesus, which was up front in a lot of them. They had pulled them. And when they first went to pull them, there were these old bishops who said, No way, go to hell. You're not changing a thing about this while I'm in charge. So what they did is they waited for the dude to die. Then they didn't just remove the statue, they broke it up. And there are many examples of things pulled out of what the alchemist considered a map in glass and stone to demonstrate how a human being could become a higher human being, which brings us back around to cymatics, doesn't it? If we could, in a in a cymatic map, demonstrate in a meaningful way. This corresponds with what was put in this building that we don't seem to be able to build anymore. We build boxes and rectangles now, but this amazing building has these principles, these cymatic frequencies encoded in it, and now we know what they are. And that begins to open up a world that, to me, for one, is not arguable. It's not about opinion. It is what it is. Somebody took the time to put it there. We can now identify it so we can replicate it and we can to learn what it means. I mean, what do you think?
2: Well, I'd like to share an experience that I had as a child uh, in this Gothic style architecture. Being up in the choir loft and the pipe organ sounding, the sound that came off that was created with that those acoustics of that type of architecture just really filled my whole torso. Combine that with a special vocalist who came in with a most pure tone voice singing ave maria so i know i'm i'm mixing a lot of energy patterns here we've got the architecture we've got the sound of the organ We've got the, um, the, the vocalist and the actual syllables that are coming out in long form, which have been proven to uh, those types of long syllables held at a certain rate have proven to be very healing and energizing to the human body. But as I was listening to that, I felt I could take flight. I actually felt energy patterns under my skin lifting me up. And again, while we revert back to childhood, I think a lot of us had the experiences of we could actually see sound made visible. We could see vibrational patterns come off, maybe not in a church, but as you're in a garden, as you're looking at a flower or you're looking at trees and the leaves blowing in the distance, those vibrational things we can see with our higher eye or maybe accessing the pineal gland in a certain way. And if we look at those churches and cathedrals that were built in a certain way, those messages as you walk down the aisle from the entry point to the place where maybe there was the altar or the transept, a lot of those images in, in, the, ch- in the churches like Notre Dame and like Chartres uh, uh, Cathedral, they have encodings that actually relate to the Vedic tradition of the chakra system. Of when you walk down that part of the aisle, those images are creating a specific grid and activate your centers. And there's like an oscillation rate, as I see it in my mind's eye, that actually begins to purify every step that you take to the point that you're cleared out and you can become your fullest potential,
0: a superhuman
2: experience.
0: What what you're pointing out is, is mind and method for a higher human society, which apparently existed that we don't know a lot about. But Jason, I kind of feel like as usual, I'm bogarting the frequency here. You wanna
1: jump in? Well, frequency is exactly what I'd like to touch on a little more. How much do you know about the difference between 432 and 440? Because I, as a musician, have decided to only use 432. And when people listen to my music, they quite often do describe a relaxing quality to it or a pleasant, pleasing quality to it that they can't quite explain, which is very good but what do you think about that whole concept? And do you lean in towards the conspiracy side of it where 440 is a little more of a weaponized kind of frequency targeting certain areas of your brain in different ways? What do you think about all that?
2: Uh, Jason, I'm open to all of it. I'm open to exploration because I too have experienced uh, the 432 versus 440. And it deserves some real deep investigation, And I think within the context of of healing, because that's where we're at. How can we become more? How can we reach our fullest superhuman experience if we are always inviting the discordant or not as empowering frequencies into our field? And I have begun to see some people track just very simply with visual analog scales and just written feedback of the difference of how people feel with 432 versus 440. I believe there is one um, organization, and and I'll have to look it up to be sure, that started to track brainwaves, brainwave activity with 432 and and 440. And yes, it affects uh, every sound, every vibration affects us at a different uh, capacity what we're looking for is what do we surround ourselves with? What, do, what environment do we create so that we can be at our very best, so we can really fulfill our potential of, of co-creators? And, uh, and I think both Crow and you are exactly right that this is a lost art. Something has come in and circumvented and brushed this whole aspect under the rug, and we're just now revisiting it as a possibility.
1: Would you say that there are easily identifiable qualities if you looked at cymatics patterns of 432 versus 440 that you could point to and go, see?
2: I haven't seen enough of them. I haven't seen enough cymatic images of 432 to clearly make that statement. But I do see differences.
0: What I noticed on round plates with the limited mapping that we can get is that in 432, you have the complexity, but it's very clean and well-formed in 440 it's almost i don't know how you describe it smudgy you know Uh, you can see the complexity is there it's just not well defined and for my limited knowing uh, of cymatics now that i've been looking at it for i don't know decade and a half anyhow seriously uh, it feels to me like the more complex the geometry that has important meaning but the more defined the complexity of that geometry has important meaning for me because you can find ones that almost look smudgy, like it's created the form, but it didn't quite go all the way. And it took me a while to know things like most people may not realize. And this is actually in the Hans Jenny book. He does talk about this. So maybe I I shouldn't bag on him too hard. I just expected more was my problem. I, I want more and I don't feel like we're getting it. So I don't really mean to bag on the man, to be honest. But when you see where the sand goes, in a cymatic vibrated plate that's going to make the geometry the sand is. The sand is going where the vibration is least, right? So the, the open spaces are where the vibration is circling. Did I get that right?
2: Yes, that's correct. So,
0: so when you think about that, you could almost consider circular pools of waves and vibration. And for those who have followed the Walter Russell work, what I'm about to say, this is all going to mean a little bit more to you. Uh, Remember, Walter Russell says that all all creation is hidden within the wave. That's another way of talking about vibration, in my view. But so what you see is these open spaces that are making the geometry where the sand is on the periphery of these open spaces. And there is a clockwise or counterclockwise motion to what's going on there. But when you don't see the well-defined complexity, to me, that has a very critical meaning. What do you think, Mandara?
2: I agree with that. However, I would like to point out one thing, just because I've spent some time in a cymatics lab, at uh, the cymoscope lab, and, and also watching the Yenny and, and other films that are available. So to really look at the vibratory rate what you're looking at there is a still shot, a shot that is not dynamic. And the vibrational rate, the oscillation, uh, as you referred to the clockwise and the anticlockwise rotations, those are hard to capture in a still frame. So we don't see, you know, even though we have good cameras, good technology today, I'm not sure we're seeing everything that's at play there. I do agree with you, though, that, yes, the 432 has more clear imaging in those snapshots or or, or those clips that we're watching. I I almost
0: think about it like this, Mandar. Both Jason and I play guitar, and I remember when I was young, the first time I got a distortion chamber, what's basically caused a fuzz box. I was like, wow, I can rock and roll. But think about what what's actually going on there there's no way in hell you know 50 years before that anyone would have ever because that was distortion that was the thing you were trying hardest to avoid and so that's what those patterns that are not well defined remind me of is what a distortion chamber is doing to electric guitar and Yeah, it's cool and yeah, we like it. But the truth is if we're talking about healthy things and benefit, I I don't think distortion is the way to get there. And that's kind of the closest analogy I can make. Um, but I think you you touched on a key point and keep harping on Walter Russell. He's all about the breathing in and the breathing out is the be-all and end-all of everything, and there's a rest point. So I think it's critical what you mentioned there about that snapshot not being dynamic. Like a lot of things will shift from frequency to frequency, but that's another thing. You know, if we had a good cymatics library, people could take a round in a square plate. They could choose a pure A tone or something like that. Do it in four, three, two, do it in four, forty. go through, um, the seven notes of a scale, do it six ways to Sunday, um, and, and start to demonstrate the differences. And I think though we're speculating to some degree, it wouldn't take a lot of work to get us on the path here, would it?
2: And also another thing that I think would be really fascinating, uh, particularly, you know, I work with a lot of water in the dish because I'm, you know, working more from a health aspect. I think it would be very interesting to view what's happening from the side view of the dish. So if it's a glass dish, you know, we're always looking down at the standing waves that are being created from the top. Well, that, in essence, is similar to an MRI where you're looking at slices of an orange or slices of tissue. So what if you could see the sound, the sound bubble or the sound from the side in a glass dish? What does that look like? And that opens a whole new um, (laughs) Pandora's box.
0: (laughs) 3D, Um, that's a big deal. That's a big deal, isn't it?
2: Yes, yes. So uh, I'm excited about that potential as well.
0: So, you know, and that opens, you know, my mind's already going, what if you took your water and you boiled it in a microwave and then you had like pure water and and you imaged both of those. But uh, Hans Jenny actually did get a little bit into the idea of 3D imaging. I think viscous liquids were the idea that he used in his book. But I'm guessing, having never done it, probably you're getting a more drastic effect with liquid, right? Because all the little particles are closer together, so the vibration can travel more readily than if you use sand. Would that be correct?
2: Yeah. there. And uh, also, there is a modern-day uh, artist uh, and professor, Gabrielle Kellerman, uh, in Romania, who's using more uh, viscous liquids and uh, substances to generate cymatic images. And, you know, that's kind of uh, really interesting in its own right, because there we have the influence of art and expression, and you're using vibration in uh, that particular way. So, yeah, there's so much to explore.
0: You know, I'll have to point one more thing out. When I went to the Four Corners region of the United States, one of my favorite places where all those old ruins are that are attributed to the Anasazi, whether that's correct or not, I don't know. Uh, But what I can tell you is there's some amazing stuff there. And we went to this one place where there were all these petroglyphs or basically things carved into the rock. And the one thing at the time, because I was coming off the tail of so much scope work as we drove across country, is you always see that spiral, right? And in this one place where they're marking the equinoxes and the solstices, there's a spiral. But I noticed the spirals are turned one way and the other. You know, some are anti-clockwise, some are clockwise. And you know darn well that there's meaning. And then I began to realize, wait a minute, look look at this spiral has this many arms from the inner dot where it starts all the way out to the outside. And I began to realize all the meaning in these simple shapes that these rangers were trying to tell me were just pretty pictures someone did for no specific reason. And by the way, there's a dagger of light hitting the center of that spiral on the correct day. I'm not even sure how many people around today could even build that or know when the correct day is. Uh, The idea being uh, if the dagger of light wasn't there on an equinox, the world was leaving balance. But I mean, even that Mandara is a direct cousin, or how would we say it, of what we're talking about, isn't it?
2: An initiation, I call it. (laughs) And, you know, just to move over to uh, France, the south of France, the Chartres Cathedral, they have a tile in the floor there that has a, gosh, I think it's uh, probably one and a half inches by one and a half inches plate, gold plate embedded in that stone. And on the summer solstice, the light comes in through the huge window right above the altar and pierces that gold little square. And I believe that you're tapping into something that is really uh <laughs> very special of excitement to me because that I believe is a special time when people would come for initiation process and right. added information, higher information. That's very exciting. I haven't been to the four corners and observed that. Now now I'm getting my map out.
0: <laughs> oh you, you gotta you gotta do Chaco Canyon and Canyon Duche. There's a little bit of animosity from all the, I don't want to be racist here, but the white folks going into the Indian nations, a lot of it's very poor and there's a lot of kind of animosity about how they've been turned into a tourist trap. But if you're cool, everyone's cool. Canyon de Shea will blow your dang mind. Chaco Canyon uh, in a different way. And they're just very interesting places. They have the Kivas. If you get up into the very south of Colorado, there's a place called Mesa Verde. That's changed. First time I went as a young person, uh, you could go down into the Kivas. But now I don't think they allow you to do that. But to get back to the point of what you just pointed out, there are all these places where these things were built, where a ray of sunlight or a starlight or whatever will hit to mark a solstice or an equinox. Remember, what was it, how many years ago the news was trying to convince us that a tsunami knocked us off our spin by a degree? Well, I got news for all of you. If that was true, not only would my scope not track, which it does, and did after the fact, because I was laughing with my wife, as I said last night, they told me we were knocked off a degree. And yet here I am tracking everything in the sky using my go-to feature. None of those little things that we're talking about in the cathedrals are out there in Chaco Canyon would line up properly. They'd be at least a degree off, wouldn't they? So it goes to show you why things like somatics have been hidden, because there is no lie in it. There is no ability for channel six news to come on and tell you some nonsense. Because cymatics, like the sky is blue, is what it is. And to put a fine point on it before we wrap up hour one, you want to know what causes color? Vibration. You want to know what color causes form? Vibration. You want to know what creates everything? Vibration. And this is the, for lack of better terms, the science that once dealt with this level of knowing of real inarguable things about our world. But Jason, I'm getting ready to wrap up. Would you like to add anything in before I do so?
1: Well, in hour two, obviously, we're going to get into some heavier concepts like we always do. But Mandar, what final point could we make to anyone just how important cymatics is? Because to me, it seems like it kind of goes hand in hand with sacred geometry and that it demonstrates the blueprints of the universe.
2: I believe that cymatics is sacred geometry in action. It is a universal principle, and it shows all of the scientific aspects, physics, as well of our vibrational universe and we are all energy we're all vibration we're all frequencies and you cannot deny cymatics you cannot deny the vibration made visible we are what we are and cymatics is the rule no, <laughs> In my perfect. view <laughs> perfect
0: you, you're right you can't argue and it's not been you know, as I wrap up, I'll say it hasn't been so long since this information was kind of swept off the table. And I'll make an example a little while ago, Jason and I were demonstrating that a deck of cards has four suits and that those were directly correlatable to the tarot. I don't think they're called suits. I don't know what they're called. Cups, wands, you, you know what I'm talking about. So you can take a club and know that it corresponds to the wand in tarot, but someone just sent me. And if you don't know what this is, just do a search for the seed of life. Or the flower of life, and you'll get all these images of a geometry, which is very important. And I spoke. I, I suspect we'll probably talk about that. But someone had overlaid all the suits—hearts, clubs, diamonds, spades—into these primordial shapes of creation, and it proves these things were not done willy-nilly, randomly. People knew stuff when these things came to be. Those beautiful buildings, like Notre Dame, that just nearly got torched hint, hint, hint. Those were built in a time when what we know now doesn't even compare to the natural world because of what Mandara just said. These things are not arguable. Almost every damn thing we talk about these days is arguable. And that's one of our main problems. But anyhow, that does bring hour one of episode 264 to a close. And before I close, Mandara, one more time, tell people where they can locate you online. And also you have some devices you've invented.
2: Yes, my website is Syma Technologies, C-Y-M-A-T-E-C-H-N-O-L-O-G-I-E-S, SymaTechnologies.com. And I've created healing devices for people to kind of like a master pitch pipe and train, create a force field to empower them to superhuman health. So please check it out. And I do do have a a short video about 15 minutes on my website called The Mystical Side of Cymatics. If people want to see actual pictures of, you know, churches, temples, and, and what we're talking about here. So I invite you to explore and definitely drop me a note and let me know that you heard our conversation. Would love to hear from you.
0: You're gonna hear from a lot of people. Um, we've harped on this for so long, and to have someone at your level of expertise is a big deal. But anyhow, I gotta wrap it up here. That's hour one of episode 264 with Jason Lingren and Mandara Cromwell. The only true crow site is crow77radio.com. That's where hour two will be presented for members. C-R-R-O-W777radio.com. We're gonna get into a whole plethora of things, and to me, this is how important Cymatics is to me. If Jason and I ever produce another movie, people are where we did shoot the moon. But on the tail of that, uh, if we do another movie, it's going to be centered around cymatics. It is the biggest deal to me that we lost along the way. It shows us how everything works, how it was all created, how form is made, why color is color, all of it, all of it. Anyhow, join us on the other side at Crow777radio.com for hour two of episode 264 with Mandara Cromwell. There it is, man. Cheers.